0: Welcome back to another wonderful episode of Legally Judgy. I'm Alexa and I'm Nicole.
1: So, Nicole, how we doing? Good. I've recently discovered the World Wide Web on YouTube. The... <laughs> I don't
0: actually know if that makes any sense. That's something my mom would say.
1: <laughs> the
0: World Wide Web on YouTube. Are you saying that you just discovered YouTube? I did. I discovered on the World Wide Web. I discovered the things on YouTube. The things on YouTube. They're called videos. Oh, well, I've been. So, what are you watching?
1: Okay, so I'm doing a, a, like a little mix of Vice, Jesus um, and Mero, okay. and My a heroes. little bit of Vogue because they do those like 20, 23 questions, whatever, outfits, things, and then... I no idea what you're talking about. Okay, Vogue. Great. You know Vogue? I've heard of Vogue, yeah. Okay, great. Um, okay, that's all I need to know. Thank you. And then... You were a great teacher, I can tell. D'Angelo <laughs> Wallace. So I'm really like... I've got like a solid rotation of uh-huh. people to watch on YouTube. So I have a question. Did mm-hmm. you just hear of the tube recently or like how did we come about discovering YouTube? I just like people have been talking about it for a really long time and YouTube. Yeah. And first, just like the Internet. (laughs) I don't know. I just think that when people were out doing the whole YouTube session thing, I was in New York City, so I just had other things to do. And you're so (laughs) elitist. It's insane. Do you know what you just said? I'm just saying I was doing things. They were
0: too. On YouTube. On the World Wide Web. On YouTube. Okay. Well, we were doing different things. And now you sound like a 90-year-old woman who's just discovered fire or something. Oh, well, I like it. I'll be
1: late. I'll be late to the game. I don't mind it. I've been enjoying it. Thank you. Okay. What's been going on with you? Um, I am an irritable person, is what I discovered. It, no way.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we've been quarantining for like a, over a year. Mm-hmm. And you know we're all talking about how we can't wait to go out again, da 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 whatever. The second I go out, I'm irritated. The second I go out, i'm irritated right about what i got I get a good like ten seconds of like <sighs> fresh air people I'm driving my car, I'm at a stop sign. I hate bikers, people on bikes okay I hate bikers. I just want them to decide if they're a car or not. they run stop signs. I think bike is the answer. Correct, I would think. But then they choose when they want to obey traffic signs sure. or not. Mm-hmm. So I'm at a stop sign, I'm about to go right and then all of a sudden I see a biker come and they just go right in front of me. I'm like, "Hello, did you stop?" No, it w- I was my right away and I really <laughs> want to honk at them, but I feel like that might be too aggressive, but I genuinely want to honk at them for doing
1: that. I feel like if you're riding in traffic, you should um, you should be a part of traffic in all senses and you I say should that to say that like you can also experience a honk. You'll be all right i'm gonna honk
0: at them and you know Do what it. i have one last thing yep. i hate when they they put their nerdy ass arms out with the left you left, know they, right. they, they they move with their the right arm the yeah the up down yeah. right and i'm like you're already moving they don't say right, but in my head, every time I see their arm go, right, <laughs> lift, lift. But sometimes they'll say, like, come in behind you. And you're yeah, like, I'm in a fucking car. I can't cakes. hear you, yeah. you fucking douchebag. Just fucking stop. That's all I, oh, I'm so irritated. Wow. I didn't even realize that I was this you're mad about it. you a lot
1: of anger about this. I need to
0: get a therapist just for bikers.
1: <sighs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. <sighs>
0: okay, speaking of things that I've irritate got, us.
1: S- yeah, Okay. Yeah, we're going to do it though. We're going to do it. We're going <laughs> to pump this out. Are
0: we ready for today's episode? We are. Okay, today we're going to be talking about Taylor Swift. Do mm-hmm. you want to open, open us up? Who is she? She's a white
1: girl who sings. Are you looking for more?
0: Okay, all right. I just was giving you an opportunity to <laughs> nah, dive nah, into nah, her. No, that's, that's it. That's, 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 that's all you got on the backstory. Me. She's a white girl who okay. sings. Okay, all right. Well, we'll get into that. Um, but for other folks who want a little bit more... Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm just going to talk about a couple details it. about just her. I'm not going to listen, but go ahead. Okay, well, I'll see you later. Welcome to Legally Judgy. I'm Alexa, <laughs> and I'm Alexa. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Taylor Swift, she grew up in Pennsylvania. Her dad was a stockbroker at Merrill Lynch, and her mom was a homemaker. Sweet. She was previously, her mom was a, a mutual fund marketing exec, though. So, shout out to her. At nine years old, she see, and her mom. I did
1: the mom and the dad meet in the office? I think so. Sounds a little sus. It definitely sounds like it uh, worked out for it, it looked
0: it looked it worked out for the mom though because the dad is pretty loaded
1: all right fuck it right out
0: that's my kind of come up you know it's what we always talk about the dream mm-hmm. so at nine years old she and her mom traveled to new york for voice and acting lessons reminiscent of our girl britney spears. britney spears um she was inspired by shania twain growing up and she focused then on country music so she starts performing at local festivals and events i love shania so,
1: by the way shout out to shania you're a shania fan I don't know why, honestly. It's so random now that I think about it. I'm not sure where that would have come from in my life, but I love her. Actually, me too. I don't listen to country, but I know Shania Twain,
0: and I love her song. I think it was like a women empowerment thing. Yeah, I think that's right. Like she's a badass? Yeah, let's go with that. All right, continue. Um, So she starts traveling to Nashville to submit her demo tapes, but she's rejected. Mm -hmm. She's told that she sounds like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Shocking. Um, And so at 12, uh, she finds this local musician who was actually a computer repairman. I don't know which came first. I think the musician thing happened, and for him it didn't work out, so computer repairman it is. He actually starts teaching her how to play the guitar and helps her with her first attempts at songwriting, and that's when it, she actually wrote Lucky You, which, good for her. And in 2003, her family, this is where that stockbroker money comes in, they, they hire this New York-based talent manager, Don, uh, Dan Dimtro, who helps kickstart her career, gets her modeling for Abercrombie & Fitch,
1: she would be an abercrombie model
0: i was uh, did you hear me like
1: purposely pause because i knew you were gonna say that she she did though she She has that look because when i think of abercrombie i just think of skinny white girls like i would walk in as a black woman with curly hair and i was like i don't fit in here right right but i can see her face and like her blonde all hair, over the posters eyes. yeah yep. okay. she's
0: everywhere so she makes it there she has an original song included in a maybelline campaign Maybelline. maybe
1: it's maybelline
0: that's exactly how the song that went song? it's <laughs> so crazy that's the first song she ever wrote <laughs> um, you should be a songwriter. And she ends up getting a development deal with RCA Records. And then at 14, her family actually moves to Nashville so she can really focus on her music career. Imagine, like, telling always your parents. It's so impressive to me when families
1: move right, for, like, a child's career. Right, right.
0: That's the momager. That's, I just think of Chris Jenner, Chris Jenner yep. being like, yes, mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. <laughs> talent. Uh, so she leaves RCA, and in 2005, she signs with Big Machine Records. At the time, it was a new independent record label. And she was one of their first signings. And have to know, because we're going to come back to this, her dad acquires a 3% stake for a cool Um, $120,000. Ultimately, as we know, I'm sorry to tell you, she goes on to win numerous awards. I mean, she's selling over 200 million records worldwide. She's got 11 Grammys. Three of them are for Album of the Year. Mm
1: -hmm. She's got an
0: Emmy. She's got 28, I was surprised, but 28 Guinness World Records. She has 32 American Music Awards, 23 Billbo- Billboard Music Awards, most by any woman. In 2019, she is ranked 8th on Billboard's greatest of all time artists chart. She was included in Time's list of 100 most influential people in the world in 2010, 2015, 2019. And woman, done. one more. Woman of the decade 2010s by Billboard and artist of the decade 2010s by the amas
1: i mean that's impressive i'm not gonna lie she's obviously won a lot of awards and i the little that i do know is that she's quite active in like charitable um kind of organizations and she you know gives to people and i think recently she gave she gave a bunch of money to a nurse who had been working you know over the course of the pandemic with covid and you know was struggling in some ways not really sure I'm not really sure like what the exact need was but I do know that Taylor donated money and so I Mm -hmm. think that you cannot take away from people if they are willing to give to people in need when you've got like clearly all this money and all these accomplishments so I will give her her props where they are due okay that's Um, nice of you um, yeah you know I can I can try to be even-handed sometimes there are obviously criticisms about her obviously obviously um so, I mean, I think one of them is that a lot of people say she really only talks and sings about her ex-boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think similarly related, people talk about th- the fact that she's had a lot of short-lived romance with A-list celebrities, which right. I do think is fucked up because I, in, in, realistically speaking, right, there's all of these male stars, whether they're athletes or singers or rappers, whatever the case is, and it's like a badge of accomplishment mm-hmm. for them to have dated a bunch of pretty women in the industry and all of that. Right. Whereas I think for her... You know, to your point, she's grown up her life in front of the cameras as a musician. So she's lived her entire dating life in front of the world. Mm-hmm. So like she started at, what, 14? And now she's, I don't know, young 20s. I mean, or, sorry, late 20s, 40s. early 30s. Yeah. So that's like 12 years mm-hmm. of a dating life that everybody's seen. So I don't really think it's fair that people criticize her the way that they do. Yeah. For her just doing things that normal people do, which is date.
0: Right, you got George Clooney, Leo DiCaprio, which of course George Clooney settled down, but for the longest time, right? They he were was like
1: the most he, eligible bachelor, bachelor in the world. He's dating
0: everybody yeah. in, into older
1: age too, mm-hmm. and no critiques like that. It mm-hmm. was just like he's the he's the man. Yeah, so double standard for sure. Yep. What else we got? So she's definitely known for having um, some feuds with other A list celebrities. Mm-hmm. So one is with Katy Perry. So really quickly apparently they were first friends they were supposed to write a song together like back in 2009 Mm -hmm. and so i think everything was good for a while but then in 2012 a couple back dancers basically left taylor's tour to join katie's and so katie says that before they left she tried to talk to taylor as things were happening so that she didn't feel disrespected but that she didn't get any response or like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: any answer essentially from taylor so in 2014 Taylor releases a song called Bad Blood. And she she says it's about another female pop star. And so (laughs) she's crazy. (laughs) But like that would be a good alternative if you were
0: like Selena Gomez. Like, what would that solve? I don't know, I don't know.
1: Anyway, sorry, you were on a run, but... Well, so, basically, Taylor alludes to someone who stole people from her tour, and then everybody obviously knows it's Katie, <laughs> because everybody knew that the dancers had left to join Katie's tour. Right. So Katie tweets, Watch out for the Regina George in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who Regina George is, please go watch Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most fantastic movies ever. One of my favorite movies Truly. of all time, if not a I classic. probably quote it the most. Oh, for sure. Classic. classic. She yep. doesn't even go here. Yep. Anyways. Brilliant. So, basically, this turns into a years-long beef of, like, perfect... Fume rivalries and tweets from other musicians who hop in and then katie releases a song called swish swish and the entire time i mean yes it was obviously petty for katie to release a song called swish swish mm-hmm. but at some point she starts kind of asking and alluding <laughs> in her interviews to like ending it because she's like this is a waste of time we right. used to be friends i don't really want to do this right so finally in 2018 she legitimately sends taylor swift an olive branch like a physical olive branch that's hilarious and so taylor Posts it on her heading. Instagram and then accepts it.
0: I would, where do you find said olive branch? I probably could use a couple of those just to back stock. I'm definitely burning bridges as we speak.
1: Teresa Judice probably has like an olive tree in her backyard because of all the olive branches that she has to extend. Do you think she really extends them though? I feel like she burns, the, I feel like she's like, here's an olive branch
0: and they open it, and then it blows up in their face. And then, you I mean, know, she they have third degree burns on their face. For
1: whatever it's worth. So that's the one beef. The other really big beef of note is obviously her and Kanye. Uh-oh. We're going to get into it? I love it. Kanye. Okay. I know you
0: really do love Kanye. I do. I do.
1: Um, it's a family thing. So, so start us out. Where did it all begin? So basically they had multiple run-ins, you know, because they're on the scene. They're both A-list celebrities, fine. So in 2009, um, Taylor is giving an acceptance speech at the MTV VMAs for best female video of the year, which is You Belong With Me. Mm-hmm. And so Kanye gets on stage. He literally runs up on stage. I think he has a bottle of Hennessy, if I'm he not does. mistaken. He's okay. Bless him. Hen dog. Love hen dog. Yep. Well, I don't anymore. I'm too old for that now. But at some point he did. And so um, he gets on stage and he interrupts her and he basically says <laughs> – I'm really sorry to interrupt you, Taylor, but Beyoncé should have won for single ladies. Right. So it's obviously an awkward moment because I think everybody kind of thought it was a joke at first and right. then quickly realized, I like, did. oh, shit, Kanye's for real.
0: No, he's for real. He's like, I'm gonna let you finish, right? That's where all the right. memes came from. I'm gonna let you finish. But But I'm gonna say, you don't deserve this. Yeah. Okay, bye.
1: <laughs> so that was a little uncomfy for the entire world to watch.
0: Yeah. People... God, that, I remember when that happened. And that was sparking some real fights, I have to say, in per, like just personal lives too. Because she, okay, that sucked. That really sucked, right? It, she's she's young. She wins the award. She's excited, whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're thinking about Beyonce and her single ladies. And you're like, this is amazing. Right. And so I got that sentiment. And I remember even at the time thinking like, Kanye such a jerk. But I also liked Kanye. Yeah. I was conflicted. But the way that she handled it, I
1: can't help but think she really was just leaning into playing that victim. And I think that's the issue. Is that afterward, she it was like a complete victim tour. It was right. like he wronged me in every single interview. It was mm-hmm. like Kanye wronged me, Kanye did this, Kanye did that. And right. like of, listen, of course it was not a good judgment call on his behalf, but also like why do you have to like lean into this narrative right just talk about the fact that you won the award and that you're grateful and that you've been working so hard or whatever the fucking case is but like right. we do need to do like i'm victim of the century for for that moment
0: i think that's when things started to change with her image and a lot of poc in particular i yeah. would say right because yeah. it really was this archetype of this like fragile white woman and then this black man and what it means and it just became a lot more serious than if she could have just said you know what because he ends up apologizing. He apologizes multiple times to her outside of that, right? And then and she he, still seemed to, to I don't know. She never publicly said, like, yeah, we're cool until and not later. Even,
1: well, I think what's even more is that not even does he just apologize, but Beyonce gets on stage later that night and has to apologize right. for something that she didn't do. So when basically she, wins, she ends up winning. Yes, video for- of the year. Music video no, of the no, year. No. She got, um. I think, album or female artist. Sorry, sorry, album Because Taylor year. had one video, so Beyonce won something else, and she gets on stage, and she ends up having to say, like, I'm so sorry, Taylor, whatever the fuck, right. like, you deserve it. Which, fine, maybe she did, but, like, the fact that, like, then every POC has to go on a fucking apology campaign mm-hmm. to Taylor Swift or something that Kanye did just so that Taylor would shut the fuck up, and then she doesn't shut the fuck up and talks about it for three years after is, right. like... It just, it was, I, it just rubbed me the wrong way. Right, right, right. Um, So that happens. So as you said, Kanye kind of apologizes multiple times. And so at some point, they seemingly move on. People see them smiling in pictures together. And she even kind of goes on to present, um, I think, the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award or whatever in 2015 at the BMAs. But then. To him. Yes, to Kanye. Sorry, mm-hmm. I should have clarified. She presents award to Kanye. So you would think that all this has Ranch. blown over. Another olive branch has been extended and yeah, right. sent. Correct. Correct. And so fine they seem to be friends but things take a turn um when Kanye releases his famous video oh. which we will get into a little bit later right so but but I say all that to say that people have gotten irritated by the number of like celebrity feuds and beefs that Taylor has been in and the fact that in both of them she's in two two of the big ones i just named but in others she's always like I'm the one that was wronged. I was hurt. It's Mm -hmm. not fair to me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other
0: critique that we have seen has been that she's not politically active enough. So she used to be pretty quiet um, about her politics. And so, of course, especially in, I think, recent years, we've become more critical and expect people to speak out Mm -hmm. about certain issues. She's always been this, like, champion of feminism Mm -hmm. at least that's the way she sees herself right and i think to an extent it's true and she speaks out against homophobia Mm -hmm. so i have to give her props for that she's always been very vocal about that but to this kanye point that we're kind of alluding to racism was always i think the the thing that people wanted her to stick up more about because especially because she had her roots in country and we know that country music probably has a a little bit more history of racism than other genres So to her credit, in 2018, this starts to change. And she actually supports two Democratic nominees for Tennessee Senate and House. Mm -hmm. People were shocked by that. And then in 2020, she comes out in full support of Joe and Kamala. Mm -hmm. And she also spoke in favor of and donated to Black Lives Matter. And she called for actually removing Confederate monuments in Tennessee and advocated to make Juneteenth a national holiday.
1: And listen, I think like I let me just say this: if, it, if I had to choose Beyoncé versus Taylor, I'm choosing Beyoncé. Mm-hmm. But I think that it must have taken a lot for her to kind of take these stances, especially against like racism and asking for Juneteenth to be a national holiday, mm-hmm. given what I assume her listening demographic to be. You can create a schism in mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. listening base if you're taking something that people view as so far left by, you know, supporting Black Lives Matter or speaking up against police brutality and things like that. So I definitely give her her props mm-hmm. for taking that risk and saying, like, here, please support these things.
0: Right, right. And that's not to say, like you said, it's not to say that we know her entire demographic is one way or another, but mm-hmm. we've talked about this even little Nas. Country yeah. music historically is just more white right. than any genre of yeah. music. Okay, so let's go back to where we are in this story so taylor signs a 13-year contract with the label big machine records in 2005. Mm-hmm. so she's still young and new to the business at that point and in the contract she actually agreed to give big machine rights in the masters to all of the songs on her first six albums that were recorded between 2006 and 2017 in perpetuity
1: forever ever. there we go um so what's a master? So masters are basically the first or original recording from which copies are made, whether for sale or for distribution. And so the owner of the master, which in this case is Big Machine, would also own the right to make, sell, and distribute any copies, which includes like digital versions, because obviously there's iTunes, there's there's Spotify now, Mm -hmm. or things that are streamed. um, Your YouTube. My YouTube. Thank you, YouTube. (laughs) And then physical versions, which are obviously like a dying thing. But back when she was, Mm -hmm. you know, coming up, there were definitely CDs and maybe some vinyl um and, vintage now yeah and so essentially anyone who would want to make a copy of the recording would have to get permission from the owner of the masters so in this case the label yep okay and so it's also common i think it's worth noting that it was really common at that point in time and it's still kind of common now that record labels will own the masters mm-hmm. especially for newer singers who don't have the leverage to negotiate for ownership because i mean obviously right. there's people like beyonce who like a queen she's a queen right. she's so gonna she, get what she so wants she owns her shit right but when you're early on in your career it's really common for the, the record labels to basically own the masters
0: and i feel like it's worth noting too that like historically like you said cds vinyls we were back in the day distribution over electronic means was not a thing mm-hmm. so you the artists really depended more on the record company to get their music out there and the only way to get their music out there were through hard copies yeah. so they had to have distribution networks getting the physical CD made and sending it to stores and then sending it to radio stations to get your stuff played mm-hmm. so in that sense I think that's probably how the record company justified ownership over the masters of look we'll get your music out there you're right. welcome but we own um, it but we own it yeah. exactly
1: well, so, so like Alexa said, Taylor has this uh, contract with Big Machine. Um, it, is, it essentially expires in 2018. And so she tries to negotiate with Big Machine to see if they could work out, you know, terms that were basically amenable to both sides but failed. Mm-hmm. And so as we understand, her biggest issue was that she wanted to acquire ownership of her six albums um, outright, but basically Big Machine wouldn't agree to this. So instead, they offer her to, that she can take ownership of the old albums one at a time in exchange for each new album that she puts out so she would basically have to make six new albums and again one at a time to gain the ownership to the six old albums
0: right and to taylor this is completely unacceptable because she first of all it would take years right to create these new albums Mm -hmm. to get the old albums back Mm -hmm. and she claims that Scott Borchetta who's the owner of Big Machine Records was going to sell the record label and she didn't want to commit her future career to whoever was going to take the label over. Mm -hmm. And, okay, so it's worth noting, Borchetta denies her version of events. She takes her issues to Twitter, which she usually does. She goes to her fans and she makes it very public. She's very good about that. And um, Borchetta ends up posting screenshots of their negotiation document, their agreement, and says, hey guys, look at the agreement. It says she'll take control as soon as she
1: signs. Which I have so many questions about because usually term sheets are confidential. That's yeah, so not like, a good move. Whose lawyer told yeah. you guys to do that? Once
0: again, the difficult job of lawyers, everybody. Yeah. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, so interestingly though, the, the contract itself, it, it did require to her to stay at Big Machine for several more years. And by several, we mean Big Machine wanted 10 more years out of her. So there really was no option for her to purchase her master's outright and just leave.
1: Which, listen, I, I get that there that was not shown on paper and maybe that's like a drop in the bucket for her in terms of her saying that she couldn't take ownership, but I also am firmly of the mind that, you know, money talks. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was, at a certain point, at a certain threshold, if she was offering certain amounts of millions, Big Machine was not going to say no. Mm-hmm. So you just weren't throwing enough in the game. And that's fine. I mean, everybody has their own negotiation tactics, mm-hmm. but I just don't think that like, it's not clear to me that at any point she had offered something and they were like, you can never own these. Like, We're not taking it no matter what you offer.
0: Right. We don't know. And And to make it even more clear for our listeners, the reason why Big Machine, it's in their interest to hold ownership is they're still getting money off of these old records sure. that are being yeah. played by people that are being streamed on Spotify, YouTube. That are being downloaded so they have a revenue stream of for sure revenue stream from these pre-recordings so mm-hmm. they got to make sure that whatever they're going to get from taylor or whoever else that buys them out is going to be well worth it right so in november 2018 she ends up signing with universal music groups record label republic records after her contract expires with big machine so just didn't work out she wanted more equity and control and republic gave her that they let her own anything she creates so the masters the thing that she's fighting with big machine about Mm -hmm. starting with her 2019 album lover an important condition in her contract that actually affected all artists under universal basically if universal sells any of its shares in spotify and they own a three and a half percent stake in spotify roughly worth about 850 million dollars universal will distribute some of that money from the sale to all of the artists
1: Yeah, so basically she was just getting a better deal all around. She got the ownership. She was getting a possible sellout if anything happened with Spotify.
0: Which is important because the way that a lot of artists get paid, they'll get cash advances in exchange for being with that record company for years on end. And so a lot of the way the contracts work is that the expectation is you're going to pay us back for these cash advances with your record sales. But what happens is if that company, Universal in this instance, if they sell Spotify, where Spotify is a big contributor of the revenue, right? Because people are streaming and they're getting money that way. If they sell shares, they want to make sure that the money they get from that Spotify sale goes back to the artist Mm -hmm. as opposed to being basically offset against any advance they'd get in their contract yeah so this is good for the artists
1: well so while all this is going on she's also feuding with Scooter Braun um, which dates back to like 2016 so basically right before her big machine contract expired and who's Scooter how does he factor into all this will obviously break it down for you so Scooter is an entrepreneur Um, he's a record executive and he's an investor but he's probably most known for being um, the manager to Ariana Grande Justin Biebs, Jay Balvin, and Demi Lovato, just to name a few. I mean, there's definitely far more. Pretty big artists. And so his biggest crime, I think, according to Taylor, is that he's associated with all of Taylor's enemies, basically. (laughs) So it's like... Enemies of Taylor versus by association, under Scooter, yep, and then Taylor. Mm-hmm. So Scooter represented Kanye back in 2016 um, when Kanye released the famous song that we mentioned before. So what's the deal with this famous, famous song? Famous song? In video, of, okay, love it. First break of all, okay. it down. So, what is this
0: famous song about?
1: In so basically, he's talking about all the people that he's had. Run ins with etc. in the industry, it's all about being famous, mm-hmm. like the name of the song. And so, he starts out the song early on in the lyrics. He says, I feel like me and Taylor might still have sex. Why? Because I made that bitch famous. <laughs> and then, in the music video, he goes on to depict her naked. And it's obviously not really her, but right. it's like a, it's like like a, a mannequin, mannequin. Yeah, yeah, it's a mannequin of her naked body. So, <laughs>
0: probably look if someone did this to me, I probably wouldn't be a big fan. But the big thing is, Kanye said he got her blessing. Yeah. Right? Yep. Taylor, of course, because she has to, this is her persona. She's like the girl next door, right? Mm-hmm. This really would mess with her image. Taylor denies this. She's saying, uh, actually, no, when we talked, you only asked if you could post the song on my Twitter. And she then goes on to call the video revenge porn music, a uh, revenge porn music video. So then,
1: well, yeah. So Kim, Miss Kim K, Kim K West, got to love this woman. Listen, I love it. She's a loyal ass. She's she's a down ass bitch. This is I'm I'm gonna give it to her. This this. is her as a
0: prosecutor, right? She has like that smoking gun evidence, and Mm -hmm. she's like, actually, I don't
1: know, wasn't the best evidence. But so Kim basically calls Taylor a snake, Mm -hmm. and releases a phone call clip of Kanye talking to Taylor about the song, where Taylor okay's all we hear is her okay in the lines about him having sex and him making her famous. Mm -hmm. And she even talks about like how they can market it and how it's going to be this great publicity moment for all of them. Right. After the release of the famous song though, Taylor basically changes her stance and says that she was never consulted about being called a bitch. It's very precise. So here's my thing. So you're cool with him saying that he had, that you might be able to have sex because mm-hmm. he made you famous, but mm-hmm. you're not cool with him saying bitch. Like that's where you draw the line. I think
0: I'd be more offended in the inverse, right? Like For sure. Call I'd me be, bitch all you want. <laughs> I'd be way more offended if you're like, I need to have sex with you because you made me famous. That's way more offensive to me personally. But. I think she
1: was just looking for an issue, honestly. I mean, right. it just feels like out of all of the things, like he said the word bitch and suddenly we're like making an entire Twitter drama
0: right i think this messes with her cookie cutter image right so definitely she said okay so longer recording comes out and the thing you know whatever that was like disputed i think but so he never says bitch but you can hear her saying this is gonna be a good for sure publicity stunt Can't basically that part. she's like people are gonna question me on the red carpet i'm gonna say actually he did contact me about it
1: yeah she says it Listen, so can I just say that I went to that Kanye show and it was for T which mm-hmm. is, you know, the life of Pablo. And so they had been, he unveiled it, which is like the most genius thing ever. This is so fast, but he unveils this album mm-hmm. with whatever easy line it was at madison square garden he sells out madison square garden which is where the knicks play in mm-hmm. a matter of an hour so people can literally watch him plug his phone into an auxiliary cord and right. play this new album right. but my one of my most vivid remember, memories is this song being played and people realizing what he said and the right. whole fucking state being like oh shit. that's so crazy oh, and i was like shit this is gonna blow up and it it did blow up of course. so you of know course. it was a good publicity moment she was not wrong she about was that not wrong So, to make things worse, Jay Biebs, Justin Biebs, who's, again, a client of Scooter, posts a screenshot of Scooter himself and Kanye on a FaceTime call with the caption, (laughs) Taylor Swift, what up? Basically poking fun of Taylor and the fact that she's been, again, on like a victim tour around the world saying that Kanye wronged her and Kim's a liar and all of this. Right. And so, in the end, I mean, so Justin later apologizes because I think he realizes, like it's a little petty little child he's also he, like 12 yeah he, okay. he's a babe but he was say he did say that um he defended scooter and then basically scooter he had never seen scooter do anything that was like right. wrong or which you know we kind of undermined the apology maybe right i think yeah i mean i have questions about the screenshot angle because if anybody's ever facetimed um yeah he was the big face so i feel like you actually didn't screenshot that because you would have been the little face in the corner but oh. that's fine
0: oh that's real sus. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. Well, so apparently she hates Scooter by association, right? Yep. That's the whole point of this. You're in bed with Kanye, you're in bed with, with Justin and their pigs. So June 2019. Remember, let's let's remember where we're at here. She's left Big Machine Records. She's now with Republic Records, but Big Machine still owns the Masters in her first six albums and is making money off of them. Big Machine gets acquired by Scooter Bronze Ithaca Holdings for allegedly around 300 million dollars um, and she is obviously not okay with this she said she wasn't consulted about the deal she wasn't given a viable option to purchase the rights to her masters um, and for what it's worth her six albums are allegedly valued at about 140 million dollars at this point point. and there's some estimates that say her music alone comprised about 80 percent of big machines revenue so but, it's a and they also amount. weren't, but
1: they not also weren't only selling her music. Like they sold no. Cheryl Crow's. they sold Now Lady A, formerly. Mm-hmm. Laid antebellum, antebellum, yeah, something. but we don't say
0: that anymore because it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's racist. Yep, it's so we're gonna it's, go it's been a. racist, it's not new. Right, right. So, so some people are skeptical, though, about her claims that she was never consulted, right? Mm-hmm. So her dad, as we mentioned at the top of this episode, is a shareholder at Big Machine. So presumably he'd know about the negotiations and the deal because as a shareholder, you're supposed to be informed of these things, right? And then allegedly she also had her own executives and lawyers from her mon- management company on the call when they voted to sell to Scooter.
1: Yeah, but I think in, in fairness to her, there's an argument. If there was already a shareholder vote happening, the deal was done. Like you're mm-hmm, not you're not mm-hmm. voting on the terms of the deal. You're voting on whether we're going to accept it or not. So like all of the things would have already been fleshed out. Yeah. Even if her dad and her people were on the call.
0: You're right. Too little, too late. And, and that's the Borchetta, Scott Borschetta, right? That The head of, of Big Machine also said like, oh, I texted her the night before the news broke. And to your point, yeah, that's clearly too late. What is she supposed to do with that? And again, done.
1: no different than when she was trying to renegotiate with Big Machine. Business is business. If mm-hmm. she wanted, I'm sure she could have come to the table and been like, "I'll give you three hundred twenty million dollars." If mm-hmm. if Scooter Braun was offering three hundred, and she could right. have won it out. So like, I'm not gonna cry for her when like she knows how to negotiate and has a strong team around her. But as we mentioned, she obviously doesn't like Scooter. Um, she says he's the definition of toxic male privilege. Basically, reposts on Tumblr the screenshot that Bieber put up mm-hmm. and said that Scooter is bullying her and he's now gonna own all the music <laughs> that she ever made.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then, so around the same time, she releases this music video for this song called The Man, uh, which has a bunch of ties to Scooter. And so there's like a red sign, there's a sign in the video that has, you know like the red circle with the line through it Mm -hmm. of a scooter um (laughs) she like urinates on the subway station that has a wall referencing all of her number one albums that he's now bought so right taking the high road so this really i feel like
0: pushes her over the edge because now that he's in charge how does she handle this new you know regime she basically resists cooperating with any exploitation of her original six albums um How does she do this? She basically declines any sync right offers for the songs to be put in shows or movies. And a lot of money comes from this, especially for someone like Taylor. So we're going to get into sync rights, but briefly, the sync rights are basically the right to sync music with visuals. So think music that's put into TV shows or movies or commercials. And they're owned by the songwriter. And since she was the songwriter on all of her albums, she has the right to deny sync rights
1: right which ultimately hurts him financially um in some ways but because the majority of revenue is derived from these masters um which is downloading and streaming but there she's also the originals she's holding him back from being able to make more money off of the sinks because obviously as we know working in the entertainment industry we pay a lot to license songs Mm -hmm. for tv shows and movies so she really kind of
0: yeah imagine a a
1: wedge in their ability to make money
0: yeah, I was just going to say, imagine a show with no music at all.
1: It'd be, be horrible. It'd be weird. It'd be a little depressing.
0: So later in 2019, she has another run-in with Scooter. Um, she's supposed to perform at the AMAs after winning Artist of the Decade, but she claims Scooter and Bruschetta block her, arguing that this, they, she's saying that they're saying that this would actually be a re-recording of her old track. She's not allowed to do it because of the contract timing, saying that she can't re-record her um songs until November 2020. She also says that they blocked her from having some of her old songs and concert footage from being included in an upcoming Netflix documentary about her. And so she starts airing this all out on Twitter, saying that they'd permit both of these things if she agreed not to re-record her albums and agreed not to speak about them publicly and basically calls her fans to action saying, please let Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun know how you feel about this. And also asks her fans to ask other artists that are represented by Scooter and Borchetta to help with this and saying maybe they can talk some sense into the men who are exercising tyrannical control over someone who just wants to play the music she wrote.
1: Yeah, and of course, you know, Big Machine denies all of this and they're saying that they never blocked her and don't have any power to stop her from performing live, and they even say that Taylor owes them millions of dollars. <laughs> so um, she, petty, getting low super petty. <laughs> Taylor counters, of course, and says that they're deflecting and that after an audit, Big Machine actually owed her money. So everybody's just throwing mud at this point. Mm -hmm. And the result is basically that she's cleared for both the AMA performance and to have music in the Netflix documentary. Um, And as a result of kind of her taking all this to Twitter, Scooter and Scott have both been doxxed, which basically means that her fans found out their personal uh, phone numbers and addresses. And mm-hmm. so people were flooding their comments and sending emails and doing all this really inappropriate stuff in my mind. And I think what really kind of put, put things over the edge for me is at some point Scooter and his wife, Yael, come out and say that they've been getting death threats. And right. not just death threats against them, but death threats against their like toddler children mm-hmm. over the fact that Scooter allegedly wasn't allowing her to perform right. at the AMAs. And I feel right. like, listen... You can be mad. You can want your fans to vocalize their concerns and their support for you. But I think you have to be a bit strategic about what you're telling them to do. If you're saying, like, go tell them how you feel, like, that's not productive. Tell them that you want to hear her music. But by not putting any parameters around it, these people lost their minds and were like you know, undeservedly threatening people who, like, we're just Mm -hmm. doing business at the end of the day. Right. It's business. It's not personal.
0: Right. But this becomes personal when you basically call your fans to action so
1: open-endedly. So, okay. Well, so it just goes on from there, right? Right. I mean, I think to make the situation even worse, basically last year in October, um, the rights to her first six albums were further sold. Um, from Scooter to this co- this PE uh, private equity firm called Shamrock Capital, and it's a part of the Disney fan um, family. So you know, get ready for that Disneyland. I'm sure you'll hear lots of Taylor Swift music for approximately 300 million, which, as a reminder, is the same amount that Scooter bought the Big Machine label for. And so again, she claims that she doesn't know about the sale, but she hoped that the songs would be free from Scooter, but she kind of quickly realizes that he's still going to profit from her work because it's common for sellers to receive some percentage of profits after selling music right so as a result of this second sale she basically vows to re-record each album as soon as she's contractually allowed which would be starting in november 2020 Mm -hmm. and the purpose of that would be to lessen the value of the originals or the masters um because then there was like a whole other catalog of the same not maybe caliber but there's the same songs in the market in a different place so then everything's kind of diluted right
0: because if she can make her re-recordings good enough mm-hmm. people will want the new version over the old version right and then people when people don't play the old version then you know scooter and disney now will not get that money
1: yeah exactly so on top of kind of vowing to re-record she also sends a letter to shamrock telling them that she would be recording the songs re-recording the songs that scooter wouldn't profit mm-hmm. which i'm also like when i saw that i was like what did you send the letter for like what did you want them to say like <laughs> okay thanks for the heads up like what's the response to that if somebody tells you they're basically trying to dilute your value
0: right i don't know what she's like i'm gonna be a good guy and tell you i'm about to screw you over right like I good don't luck know. Well, whatever, so she of course, she tweets about this situation, supposedly before the sale took place to this Disney company, she says that she tried to bid on the songs, but was told that she would have to sign an nDA a non disclosure agreement, and she declined. She says that this non disclosure agreement, which basically means you can 't talk about certain things, would have required her to not say anything negative about scooter
1: and listen, I think NDAs are common um, when it comes to like any really any deal, especially one of this kind of magnitude with all the money that was on the line and all the ownership. But I do agree that it seems like a reach that an NDA would say, you can't badmouth like the other party. And like I, I get it for him. I mean he was ultimately like here is my way in to make her mm-hmm. stop, but it's it's still like an uncommon term, just so I can see what the possibility is of even like, you know, buying my music.
0: Right. And she compares it to silencing an assault accuser and um you know apparently they wouldn't even tell her the price so she's saying basically you didn't give me a fair shot um and shamrock she did she did acknowledge this i did see that shamrock did reach out to try to partner with her but again as soon as she found out that scooter was still going to make money off of it i feel like she was like nope I can't. I just. I can't in good conscience, right? So people start immediately speculating about whether this was a fair price or not. Again, three hundred million is a lot. Uh, most people actually agree that this was drastically overpriced, but everyone agrees on the appeal of her music.
1: To your point, people were wondering if it was overpriced, but obviously she's kind of taken the stance that she's going to ruin the deal by any ways possible. And I think for her, this means re-recording, as mm-hmm. she kind of you know promised before. So in November 2020, she starts recording her songs. And again, she's a- able to legally do so at that point in time because that was like the expiration of mm-hmm. kind of this this clause in her agreement. Right. Um, and so people kind of are guessing that the re-records won't be as good or successful as the originals because obviously it's been, what, I guess – 12. maybe 14 years for yeah. some of these songs and so people that her fans know them like these mm-hmm. are their favorites and whether they're supporting scooter or whatever the case is they know the sound and the riffs and etc mm-hmm. so people were like oh you know these probably won't be as successful because everybody's attached to the original version
0: mm-hmm.
1: and again it takes it's going to take time to do this right because she's got six albums that she's now saying that she's going to re-record um but it's worth noting that bands have actually been doing this for a really long time to make uh money from like missed opportunities with bad you know recording and publishing deals so this is not right anything new but i will say that another shout out to her is that i think it was a really badass move to say like okay i can't get the ownership back i'm clearly locked out of this deal locked out of taking back my originals. so what mm-hmm. i'm gonna do is wait until the time comes when i can legally do so and re-record all of my stuff and hope that it's just as successful if not more than the originals and to
0: her credit she does have a very strong fan base so i don't think that that guess was you know for nothing right. so as promised she actually re-records she's starting to record s- certain albums and fearless came out earlier this month mm-hmm. and people are saying that it's really close to the original and fans are going crazy over it mm-hmm. i mean of course there's a couple people saying oh i could hear the difference her voice is a little bit more mature now but it actually really is competing with the originals, and so people now are speculating whether they even need the vintage versions, right? Um, and again, going with some of the actually praises, people, even people who were not maybe huge Taylor fans originally, are saying, "I like the sound now more because her voice sounds more mature. That uh, you know, the, even the the songs themselves sound a little bit more modern, mm-hmm. brighter, punchier." and so they're pretty happy with it and of course her fans are huge stands so they're going look taylor we're going to support you even if we liked your originals r.i.p We don't want to support Scooter. I definitely saw like
1: hilarious TikToks where people were like, "Rest in peace to her originals." This is the last time that I'm going to listen to my it's So dramatic, (laughs) but okay.
0: (laughs) I feel like because her originals really her fans were teenage girls at the Mm -hmm. time mostly, right? And so you grow up with that sound. I know that for me, there's definitely artists in my life, like Britney Spears, Spice Girls. Like I don't want to hear
1: a redo of Spice Girls. I love old Spice Girls, right?
0: And you know exactly the inflections. You know when you're going to get that high note, right? You even to this. Day, I haven't heard an InSync song in forever, and then I started re-listening to them a couple years ago. I still know the mm-hmm. lyrics so well. So, but people are reacting pretty well. And this really will dilute the value of the originals and will cut into Shamrock's revenue and therefore what Scooter's getting on his back end. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's dive into the legality here.
1: Yeah, I mean I think all of these music rights really boil down to copyright, um, which and really, who owns what. Um, and as we've talked about before, copyright is super complicated. And music rights are even more complicated, especially if you're not somebody who's, like, well-versed in music law. Um, but as you know, as we all know, I guess at this point, because we've said it a million yeah. times, copyright is basically just ownership of your expression of, a, an, of an idea. Mm-hmm. And so here, the the idea is whatever she wrote in her songs, and the expression of it is the song itself, or the mm-hmm. master um and so for our purposes and purposes of this episode we know that copyright can be owned by different people and different entities and so as we mentioned taylor you know wanted to get ownership of her music so that she could control the distribution and the uses and therefore the profits kind of coming from that music Mm -hmm. and therefore basically
0: cutting scooter out that's really what she's going for here i think um so why didn't she own the masters the recording's that were the the original recordings of her six albums. We've touched on this, but again, her agreement with Big Machine explicitly stated that they were going to own the masters to her songs. And like you said earlier, a lot of people, especially when they're first starting out in their careers, they don't, own the masters that's not something that they get originally that's a Beyonce level type thing Mm -hmm. where you get to own your masters
1: yeah I definitely know Kanye has vented about this a lot and I think I I would imagine that it sucks because at a certain point like you are writing these songs and that's all of your artistry and your creativity Mm -hmm. and then to realize down the line that you don't own that and that you Mm -hmm. can't control it must feel like a blow especially when you've risen to the level of a Kanye or a Taylor Swift
0: right and I actually personally feel like this might start to change in the era of digital um where people don't like like I was mentioning earlier, where the purpose of record labels having to distribute physical copies and that being a justification for owning the masters, that might start to change. I don't know. We'll have to see.
1: Maybe. But I mean, I think... in. While she figured out the ownership part, right? Like, she definitely had an impact in what they could do with their ownership, which I think was a really valuable kind of tool that she had in her box the entire time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like we talked about, she blocked the use of the songs, right? And so, to use recorded songs in an audiovisual work, like a movie or a TV show or commercial, you have to get two licenses. Mm -hmm. So, the first license is the sync license, which we mentioned before, and that basic sync is for synchronize and you're synchronizing the song in with the visuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a sync license is for the song generally, not the specific recording of the song. Right. And these rights sit with the songwriters and not, the recording artist in this case obviously taylor happens to be both she's mm-hmm. the songwriter and the singer but the right to the sync license comes from the songwriter which means it sits with taylor
0: right so good for her for writing all her own songs and melodies because yes, she really got power that actually a lot of artists may not
1: have because right not a lot of people actually write their own stuff mm-hmm. and then the second license is the like it's a license to use the existing recording in the film from the owner of the master recording um and Mm -hmm. so that's called a master use license and so here as we said big machine can grant the master use license because they own the master and the recording but taylor was the songwriter so she's the only person who can grant or deny the sync license right so how
0: is she allowed to make these new re-recorded albums Like we've talked about, she owns the rights to the abstract songs. So not the recordings of the old songs, but the lyrics, the melody, right? So in being the owner of those things, she can re-record her old stuff. Again, the only reason why she had to wait till November 2020 was because that was in her original contract. Mm -hmm. So it was a contract obligation. So once she's clear of that, she can go ahead and re-record. And now she's with Republic and with Republic Records, they agreed to let her own outright everything that she produces. So now she will own everything in these new re-recorded albums and anything else that's new. So that when people want to use her music in movies or TV shows or commercials, she can grant them the sync license and the master use license from the new recordings. Mm -hmm. And this really is what is unique about this situation because this could really potentially cut into the profits for, well, previously Big Machine and Scooter, in some capacity, and then now Shamrock, who owns it, and kind of tangentially Scooter Braun.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: this is crazy because I don't know if an artist of her stature who was able to do this, and this is kind of new territory. I think, in this being as successful as it is. I mean, we'll see what, how the next five albums go. But
1: I mean, listen, shout out to her legal team because I think this is a super uh, creative way to kind of get around the concerns that she had about the ownership. And I also think, like, she clearly, listen, she's doing well enough that she didn't have to worry about the music, I mean, the money that would come with this ink license. Because ultimately, she would have made money, mm-hmm. too. So I think it was a super power move for her to be like, I don't care, I'll lose the money. Like, I'm saying no to you guys using this shit and everything, and... Just wait for me to, you know, wait for me to release the new ones and see how you feel right. then. All right. So now the morality. So should Big, Big Machine have sold to her? What do you think? I think money talks. Like I said, it's a business. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, at the end of the day, like, I don't feel bad for her in terms of what happened before with those deals, because if she wanted to outbid either Scooter or Shamrock, she could have done so. Right. Like, there was never anybody who was stopping her from offering more money than he did. Just to
0: play devil's advocate, I wonder if maybe to give, maybe if we're we're going to, play her side of it i wonder if they knew that by keeping her under contract it would be more profitable than any amount but you're right like look if she probably offered a billion dollars they probably would have sold but does she have to now that she's especially re-recording probably not but you know whatever we're we're done with that because she's gone and done these re-recordings so platforms now are going to benefit from supporting her new versions because they're getting all of these streams and her support right mm-hmm. because we don't want her t- twitter fingers going off on them right. i think we see what happens when she mobilizes her fan base and it's mm-hmm. not good um and like we talked about her fans are really rallying behind her and she's getting the support i mean each i saw each song has taylor's version in parentheses yeah, after song each Spotify. song title so yeah. it's very clear yeah. yeah are you supporting scooter or are you supporting taylor mm-hmm. is really how she
1: she's like a PR genius, I have to say. Wasn't good for her. Um, okay, so where are we now? Well, so in 2020, Taylor was the most consumed artist of the year, and as we said, um, basically this month she re she released the re-recorded version of Fearless, and last week she basically took to Twitter to celebrate that that album, the re-recorded album, was number one on the charts. Mm-hmm. And I think in the United Kingdom, she actually broke records for how long her album had been topping the charts and beat out even the Beatles, which That's is crazy wild. <laughs> Um, it shows how many fans she has in this world, how many white people like her and the Beatles.
0: (laughs) Yep. So she's also said that she's been in the studio all day recording the next one. And there's some speculation about which album she's doing next. It sounds like it might be 1989. It looks like she dropped some little hints on her recent appearance on the Stephen Colbert show. Did you watch I did. It was kind of cringeworthy, actually. Why? It was pretty awkward. You know when things are just not landing, and mm-hmm. so it's just these awkward silence? Basically, I guess she has this song called uh, Stephen or something like that. So they played off of her pretending like she was uh, psyched, like th- th- that the song was about Stephen Colbert and she has like this mood board and it's all these pictures of Stephen that she allegedly put together back when she first recorded this uh, song which I have to say this more than anything the cringeworthiness aside it kind of bugged me because she gets all defensive when people poke fun of her being kind of boy crazy and all her songs being about her Mm -hmm. but then she's poking fun at herself essentially by being boy crazy and obsessed with Stephen Colbert right that was the whole shtick and then at the end she's like actually it was about Stephen King and then Stephen King allegedly calls her at the end and she's like oh hi Stephen like leans into it i just she chooses when she's okay with it and when she's not And maybe hey maybe she should be allowed to be of course like you should own whatever jokes you want about yourself but i'm just like hey just roll with the punches a little bit you know i feel like Mm. that would make you more universally liked
1: yeah well that's not we're not there yet maybe one day yeah, I mean, on the opposite side of things she basically was sued this year for copyright infringement more copyright um, <laughs> basically by a theme park in Utah that's also named Evermore I love this which is the name of her December 2020 album mm-hmm. um, and so they're saying that the name confused their visitors and that it negatively affected their performance on search engines the confusion part I doubt it I doubt anybody's is confusing a know- Utah theme park with Taylor Swift's album I was album. gonna say
0: do you know what this theme park I looked into them they're a medieval times themed theme park super close like they have night and like turkey on a stick and if anything yeah exactly Joustine. i'm like isn't she helping you by doing this i would think that if someone she's definitely helping them who is searching for evermore in this random town (sighs) so they're seeking (laughs) i I love it seeking millions right and then my my favorite because i always have to have a favorite i have like i have like five favorites though let's be real so she then sues the park for playing her songs at the park without a license isn't that fantastic? Listen, she's
1: been, she has the upper hand.
0: Did she send people there to be like, find, <laughs> For sure. find something? For sure. Go, find
1: something. Vanderpump's guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, she hits up Vanderpump. Um, so basically, they both dropped their suits um, without any monetary settlement. So the, the park basically got scared and knew they couldn't afford this fight. And I saw that the park was actually in debt. They owed millions. So that might have been a reason why they tried. They lost.
1: Well, on um, Okay taylor's so was clearly doing well then yep so shamrock now people are wondering if they'll turn around and sell the music to basically mm-hmm. make back all of the money that they're clearly going to lose from her re-recorded version so mm-hmm. definitely stay tuned to see what happens with shamrock i've heard they're having some internal discussions about buyers okay um so maybe they're not so skeptical they're not so positively i
0: wonder who's buying it would you buy for no <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, first of all i don't have 300 million dollars second of all if i did i'm not using it to buy taylor swift's masters you gotta get your pj
0: yeah, i think we've yeah. established that and your at first big buy is PJ How at home oh i thought the pj would be your home
1: all right <laughs> so what else happened recently your well, girl so some other people have been showing her some love so basically kim k recently posted an instagram story story with a taylor song and so people are now wondering if they're going to become friends now that her and kanye are getting divorced <laughs> which would be super shady because that's still the father of your children that is so weird i also i just can't imagine that being a
0: friendship i just can't uh, yeah i don't kim knows how to get headlines right she knows how to to stoke fires i feel like this is what that was she's probably just playing with us like people talking about her yeah i don't i really can't see
1: this french can you imagine their conversations no no kim would be like i'm studying for the bar she eats her salad <sighs> yeah no way and then on the other on the other hand, Beyonce became um the woman with the most Grammys, twenty-eight mm-hmm. this past year. Shout out to Queen B. Um, Taylor won Album of the Year while she was there, which is I think was her third or fourth, I can't third. remember. Yep her third. Um and so because Beyonce is a far classier human than I am, she sent Taylor flowers congratulating her, which I thought was really sweet because it again it was Beyonce's moment, really. Um but she still took time out to acknowledge Beyonce Taylor. Beyonce is always gracious,
0: man. We yeah. could take a big note out of her. I don't I don't know how she does it. Bless that woman.
1: She's got a big heart. She well, does. Okay, so brief summary. Taylor pulled a boss ass bitch move. I'm mm-hmm. going to give her all the credit for that. She wanted to buy her music, couldn't do it, got locked out multiple times. Decided that she was going to re-record it, did it legally, and so far it's working. Yeah. That's
0: a really good summary.
1: So what's our uh, do you have any advice for people from this one? money talks if you want to win talks. offer more money i don't know
0: yeah i don't want to say be careful messing with taylor's fan base i just gotta she really knows how to mobilize it but also taylor sometimes girls just own up to your stuff i don't yeah. say that we're all imperfect is humans. that too dangerous for me to say are they gonna come after me now probably that's nice knowing you taylor's i'm giving i liked uh you belong with me it's a good one <laughs> <That's> your jam <laughs> i, I like that song i can't lie All right, well, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Legally Judgy. We hope you enjoyed listening to us talk as much as we love the sound of our own voices.
1: If you did, please subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Also, feel free to connect with us on our socials at Legally Judgy. Until next time, bye.